0: Welcome to the Strong Like Mum podcast. What's the This podcast is sponsored by Wellbaby. Wellbaby from the makers of Pregnacare provides careful nutritional support for babies and young children from birth to 4 years. Wellbaby is a comprehensive vitamin and mineral range which includes the exact levels of vitamin A, C and D as recommended by the UK Department of Health. Hello and welcome to the Strong Like Mum podcast and this week I am joined by Vern Hill, dad of two, pre and postnatal PT and founder of CarryFit. Hello Vern.
1: Hey Shakira, thanks for having me on.
0: Right, we've had some trouble getting started on this podcast, haven't we?
1: We we have had a couple of issues, um, which might be my fault being a podcast amateur, so I apologise if it is. (laughs)
0: Well, thanks so much for joining me. I'm really happy that this is your first podcast and I'm so glad to have you joining us. So for those who don't know much about Carryfit, why don't you just give us a very brief intro to that and then we'll get started on today's topic where we're going to cover um, positive language for pre and postnatal recovery, which is just so huge. Um, and when we first initially worked together a few weeks ago, it was something that we like bonded over. Wasn't it? So I knew I had to get you on.
1: Yeah, we did indeed. So, yeah, carry fit for those that don't know is a, is a baby wearing workout. Um, so a workout where you wear your baby. Now, the background to carry fit is is quite a kind of, uh, I guess, is mirrors my kind of personal story as a pre and postnatal PT. So I had a, a sort of a one to one focused gym in Wandsworth where. It was very much the norm that mums would bring their babies. And this was kind of, gosh, 12, 15 years ago. So kind of slightly, I guess, in a weird way, sort of ahead of what's what's much more common now, which is great. Um, and increasingly, I would wear clients' babies while they worked out. So rather than having them on, a, on the floor or on a mat, I would strap them into the baby carrier um, and I'd wear them whilst I coached mum. And what we very quickly all discovered is that the babies were much calmer, much happier, much more interested. We had a lot less interruptions to the session. We didn't have crawling babies climbing over mums doing planks and core work and all that kind of stuff. And so actually kind of um, the knock-on of that was that clients' kind of adherence to their training plan and their frequency of training went through the roof because our sessions just weren't getting interrupted. Um, And so I got the nickname the Baby Man in Wandsworth, which – At the time as a kind of, you know, late twenties, thinking I was cool kind of bloke wasn't a great nickname, (laughs) if I'm completely honest about it. It sits a bit more comfortably now, but at the time it wasn't brilliant. But that was largely because anytime anybody saw me, I had somebody's baby strapped to me. So I was just like, Have you seen the baby man? And I said, I wanna create a workout, an exercise to music class where you do it all in sync. Wearing Your Babies. Uh, and I launched it in Slice in Parsons Green, which, if you know London at the time, was kind of a real mum hub. And I basically stood in a room on my own for four months. Nobody came. Oh, no. um, and eventually two came and three came. And then after about four months, I remember there was a little group of three ladies came and I was like, I, I, I ran home, I was chatting to Polly. I was like, yeah, three, it was amazing. Everyone was in sync. I was like, yeah, made it. And then nobody came the next week, but then they came back. And then from <laughs> from then, um, and three months after that, it was a waiting list. We were teaching four times a week. You couldn't get in. Um, and then a f- couple of years on, you know, we 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 launched the online platform as well. And now we're really kind of fortunate. We've had over 20,000 mums sort of engaged through CarryFit, through live classes and the online platform um you know it's listed in the Royal College of GPs in the Clinical Lifestyle Toolkit um it's yeah so really kind of proud of it but yes at the start and I know some of the questions we're going to get into today will kind of expand on what that was like and and kind of being a man and all that kind of stuff and social media a bit more but that's kind of the carry fit story um and one I'm I'm kind of really proud of to be honest because um yeah, I think it would have been quite easy in those early days to, to put it back down and, and go back to exactly what I was doing and, and walk away from it all. And, I, and I'm very pleased I didn't.
0: So, so talk us through that. You just touched on it there, but being a man in, in a woman's world, I mean, that's rare for a start, <laughs> but um, what, um, how was that? What made you go into pre and postnatal?
1: Um, being a man um, at that stage, and this is kind of pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram, pre-social media, never once was it an issue. Never once did I have a client or a referral say no, because I don't want to train with a man. I think the, the kind of benefit that I have, and this is really weird, and I'll be interested in what you think on this. When, new, when newly pregnant ladies or newly postnatal ladies walk into a room and see me, any hint of comparison that they might have made to a female mm-hmm. trainer goes out the window. There can be no comparison. I'm a big, beardy, burly bloke. My body is irrelevant to yours. So that kind of pressure and that fitness environment pressure that I think exists a little bit, and I'm sure we'll get into later, yeah. I the, probably the only advantage I've ever had is that that tendency of people to compare themselves to who they're in front of disappears because I'm a yeah. man. Now, the, the flip of being a man in this, in this kind of female-dominated industry is, I guess, the rise of social media. And then you do get a few objectors, a few people questioning it, a few people um, asking what gives you the right to talk about it. Um, and that's, that's kind of really, I think, kind of a bit sad. Um, I often, I have a son. I think, would I ever tell him he can't do anything? Mm. Um, professionally absolutely not Um, and so I just it's not something that's ever bothered me but I find it more interesting now I'm a parent and with the kind of rise of of social media the kind of messaging that everybody gets about opportunity and equality of opportunity I think that's the most Mm. important thing I think if you're passionate about something and you're willing to get qualified and you're good at it then that's that's the world needs more people like that whatever that looks like.
0: You touched there on what I, I thought was really interesting was about when women come into your classes and they see a man and they can drop that, any any uh, preconceived ideas of comparisons that they might feel they need to make. So let's just talk a little bit more about that, about uh, confidence postnatally, what you see from women that come into your classes yeah. with their confidence and, and how you feel. Um, well, I, I suppose you've just talked about environment, but environment and language can really impact a woman's recovery postnatally
1: yeah I mean I think they're absolutely huge I I think I think language is massive and I think community is massive and I think safe spaces are huge Um, one of my pet hates around language is that often people start with um, a negative piece of language where you could start with a positive piece of language and I always kind of am mindful of the impacts that that might have on people because I think that postnatal is a real hot spot People are vulnerable to a lesser or greater degree. Huge amounts of changes have gone on physically. You're sleep deprived, you're hormonal, and those hormones change um, as you go through your recovery. So I think often starting with positive language can just be a real positive. And to me, it's kind of common sense, but it doesn't, and I know we've touched on this before, it often doesn't fit the social media narrative or objective or the kind of clickbaity headlines. You know, to say, Mm -hmm. you know, 75% of women recover completely normally without any need for assistance or intervention from having their baby, that's a real – that will give a lot of people a peace of mind. What you'll more commonly read is 25% of women, you know, a year down the road are still requiring physio. You know, you'll start with something that puts fear into people rather than hope. I think Um, it's so
0: interesting because, you know, it starts – the thing of language, as you said, is huge. And there's so many aspects as to where we can look at language and, and social media and the language that's used there. Um, as you said, in terms of clickbait, just to get people engaging with content as opposed to actually providing support is, is a huge topic in itself. Yep. But, you know, if you look at that immediate postnatal period, just something as simple as I always think we I hear a lot. I suffered you know pelvic floor trauma or i suffered da 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 i suffered da 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 as opposed to i'm i'm managing or i'm coping with pelvic floor trauma i'm managing my pelvic floor trauma you know something yeah. that, that that rather than putting this negative spin on women we can actually be helping them to realize that they're capable and that can start just with language you know and the, and the language that we're putting into our system can have a very real effect on what we're putting out.
1: Mass- massively, and I, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think so much goes on through, uh, and if we broaden it out slightly from just the fitness world, at a time when people are in a heightened sense of kind of everything, of their surroundings, of their world, of their sense of self, I just think that actually putting a bit of thought into language and how you communicate and how you talk is, is, is kind of like the least we can all do. I mean, this is supposed to be our job, right? everybody thinks a lot and very deeply about movement appropriateness of movement movement patterns movement quality what should we be doing you know everyone can a, can a, can assess a you know a diastasis gap all that kind of stuff but we don't probably or historically haven't put as much thought into how we then communicate it
0: the thing with language that is is sometimes it's not you know so i agree with you you know as as professionals in the industry we can absolutely be communicating with our clients in a more positive way and uh, and you know in terms of social media i think everybody on these platforms there's so many unqualified people on social media um but you know we all have to take a responsibility whether you're an expert or you're an influencer or whatever it is you need to take responsibility for actually the, the very real impact you can have on someone else with yeah. just your words but also you know speaking to the individual mums now who might be listening the language that we use ourselves without even really realizing that we're doing it one of the things i hear all the time is i'm not a runner someone will always say to me i'm not a runner i'm not really a runner, yeah, I'm, not yeah. a runner. I'm like what does that mean because how have we <laughs> come into this world you know i mean running if you go back in time running is in our dna it's in our blood we were we were you know we evolved as endurance you know, uh, beings, and I'm not saying everybody needs to go and run a marathon or a 10k or a 5k because that's not my bag either, but (laughs) if you put your trainers on and you walk, run, walk, run intervals every two minutes or whatever, you're still a runner. I don't, you know, and there's this mindset, and that's what I mean, the language that we use can create this mindset like, oh, I'm not a runner.
1: I, I absolutely agree, and this kind of, you know, I think we've sort of seen it a little bit of late, this kind of culture of this fear of movement. Fit pros and physios and medics didn't really exist hundreds and thousands of years ago. We're just designed to move like the body's designed to be used and moved. So I think anything that creates that kind of fear or movement or makes people question whether movement is good, it is never going to be something that sits particularly comfortably with me. And I think the good one of the good things that seems to be on the rise is the appreciation that, that movement is is good. It just has to be the right movement at the right time.
0: So talk us through, I, I know this from a previous conversation we had, but if you could just um, just talk a bit more about it, this poll that you did recently about this fear of movement, which I think is just absolutely fascinating.
1: I, it was literally, it was a snap poll of all of our sort of engaged Instagram followers. And I took them through a series of questions. Uh, uh, but really what I was trying to get at was who out of you had a diagnosed um, as in in the system, somebody spotted and flagged something, reason not to move in a certain way. And, and particularly in this uh, instance, we were looking at picking up and holding your baby. I mean, is there anything more fundamental to parenting than picking up and holding your baby? Probably not. Now, 38% of people in this poll said that they were worried and apprehensive about picking up and holding their own baby because they thought they were physically incapable. Of that 38%, only 9% actually had a diagnosed reason, of which, of course, there can be complicated births and reasons that you can't do it immediately. But only actually 9% had a concrete reason and the rest were just fearful. So,
0: so 91% of... of- this group of women were just fearful fearful.
1: with no we're fearful with no diagnosed reason now everybody's reasons are very valid so something has got into their head and made them feel like this and I, I, i guess what i'm starting to pick at and ponder is whether that is this kind of very negative movement is bad you're broken we need to fix you type language You know, that word, that fix, um, fix this. No, you don't need to fix a diastasis gap. You're not broken. Your body's done exactly what it was designed to do. And now we're going to re-strengthen it and, you know, get it back up to full speed. You're not broken. We don't need to fix you. It's little bits like that. And that's probably the most commonplace instance that we see and hear on social media can I do this with a diastasis gap? Yeah, you can. Because everybody's got one when you've had a baby. When yeah. you get to full term, you've all got one. Uh, people don't realise that. They're not educated around yeah. it. They're not told about it through their, through their pregnancy. Mostly, and I know we spoke about this last time, but when I did that poll, it, it made me sad that nearly 40% of people were afraid of what would happen to their body if they picked up, held, and cuddled their own baby, wow. because yeah, you don't absolutely. ever get those opportunities back.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, and 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 it's interesting because there's so much we could talk about here. But often I, I get asked questions like, um, "How do you maintain being active? Or how do you stay motivated?" Things, like, and and to me, everything filters down to language. So. You know, you're talking there about the very early days postnatally and when I'm working with women that are postnatal and I'm rehabilitating them, the first thing I will look at, the first thing is their mental well-being and the language that they're using. Because if you're looking at how can I stay motivated or how can I maintain exercise or how do I build confidence? Well, to me, to stay motivated, you need to have a level of confidence in your own personal ability. To be able to achieve whatever your goal is. In order to have that motivation, that, that confidence that's going to give you the motivation, you've got to be inputting positivity into your body. And one of the first ways we're going to do that is the language that you A, use, and B, surround yourself with. Um, so social media is becoming an, a, you know, ever more popular, and people are now turning to social media to find their experts. It's very easily accessible to all. Um, how do you feel? Let's just let's just touch on this before we we, we wrap it up because we talk great. <laughs> but how do you feel that you know social media? Obviously, there is good and bad. How do you feel that the positives you know could be helpful, and what do you think of the the main negatives in terms of social media and and the language that's that's portrayed there?
1: So I think it's really complicated. Look, I, I, you know, social media is really important to carry fit. So I'm always kind of loathed to be. Too negative about it. Um, my issue with social media is how it it, it propagates content. Um, so let's if we if we step out of social media for a second and we look at the other main way that people find and access information, they Google it. And and when Google has a ranking system called Eat, like its authority, its education authority, trustworthiness. So it it actually ranks information based on the trustworthiness of the source. So where's it come from? Is this a medical journal? Is this, is this, is this blog about, um, you know, squatting postnatally? Has this come from somebody that's qualified to talk about this? And then it ranks it accordingly. So people on Google will always find information that Google's done the hard work for them. It's, if it's on that first page, it's coming from somebody that's qualified, trustworthy, etc., etc. cetera. Et cetera. And that to me is the very opposite of, and potentially the problem with social media, where everything is ranked and shown to people based on engagement, likes, comments, shares. And then I think you get into this problem as you touched on that these people that are wholly unqualified to talk about things to this population group that deserve our best attention and care because they are literally looking after our future. (laughs) <laughs> there is no group more important to my mind, but they will be potentially shown content that is not of a great quality or perhaps not particularly relevant. But, like you say, it then lodges into their psyche into their mind into the language that they're associating with things
0: i also think there's a very fine line between aspirational content and content that makes you feel inadequate yeah and i think i think in terms of social media it's really important that you follow those people who have the expertise and the knowledge but actually are sharing the reality of it as well
1: i think that will always find an audience and people that appreciate it and respect it and connect with it so this will make you laugh this is a little insight into how much i don't like that we when um when we first launched CarryFit on social media, and I realise this is a podcast, so people can't see me, I'm not I'm not your typical I'm not your typical fitness person on on Instagram. It was suggested that for one of our very early photo shoots, that um, I was swapped out for a fitness model. Um, so we had all real mums in there because I was really always insistent on that. And we, we always use real mums. Somebody did once suggest, well, we'll get some fitness models in and some fake babies They're like, no, 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 like we've got fake loads, we, we've got loads of real mums. We will always use real mums. Everybody that's in any carry fit content is a real mum, and that's their real baby. I'm pretty much the only one that wears a fake baby these days because mine are too big. Um, but, um, but yeah, it was suggested that I was kind of switched out for a, a fitness model. Diego, great guy, very handsome. Um, <laughs> And and it left such a weird kind of taste that after that, we just kind of, we always swore blind that whilst it would be a business page, it would be the reality of the business. And the reality of the business is this guy, um, you know, knackered looking 42 year old dad of two. Yeah. I think that level of reality is really important on social media. And I think people are getting better at sniffing out what's real and what's not.
0: Well, and that is just, I mean, that is just so important that it is, that it is real because, you know, fitness is for everybody. We talked about this and it's the fitness industry and the health industry have become like two separate things. And there are people who are really scared of going to the gym has become, you know, do you go to the gym? Like, oh, no, I don't go to the gym. I'm scared. (laughs) Fitness has become like this elite thing that only really athletic-looking, toned, endurance athletes that run 10K can do fitness, and everybody else needs to be wellness. Like, whereas actually fitness exercise movement is for everybody you don't have to look like me I'm not going to look like you you know words like you know drop a dress size or even I had a real issue with this whole strong is the new skinny campaign because I was like well everybody is going to look different what we need to be talking about is being mobile you know active energized and, and also understanding that Fitness is, uh, you know, and, and exercise is so much more than just about how we aesthetically look. It's oh. about injury prevention. It's about being able to be, you know, in our 80s pain free. You don't have, you do not have to be 80 and suffer with lower back pain. You can have a, a healthy, you know, my mum is 63 years old, 64 years old this year. She is so active and healthy, you know, pe- pain free. And, it, and it's understanding that.
1: Yeah, it, it it's it's so important. I think it all comes. Yeah, it's, as I say, it's always it's the life you want to lead, and and that's your life. And if you fix that image in your head, you remove comparison. Again, I think comparison is is the big one of the big things with the modern world. Everybody's always looking what everybody else is doing, what they've got, what they look like. Yeah. And actually, if you just focus, sometimes it's good to focus on you, focus yeah. on what you want out of life, because everybody's everybody's out of life goal is different.
0: Yeah. Become more inner-directed than than looking at out external sources and you know other people to direct where you sh- what you should be doing and how you should be yeah exactly like yeah my
1: yourself. my my metrics for success are not yours and they're not anybody else's yeah um, and and that should be applied to fitness as well my my metrics for what I consider to be fit are not yours or yeah. anybody else's they're just mine
0: thousand percent thank you so much for joining me I mean we've done really well actually to keep it so concise.
1: <laughs> I, I i was i was i was warning i was warning polly that i'd probably be up around mid-afternoon and we started at <laughs> 10 o'clock
0: <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate your input and your expertise and um, and just share very quickly where people can find out more about you and more about CarryFit.
1: so you can find us at carryfit.co.uk at c-a-r-i-f-i-t or carry underscore fit on instagram Look for the uh, sweaty bloke wearing a baby, and you won't be wrong.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Shakira. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Strong like Mum podcast. And remember, Vitabiotics Well Baby expert nutritional care for your little ones for the start of their journey. To find out more, visit www.wellbaby.com.